I wrote this thing I hope you like it Let's talk about it, yeah Let's lose track Losing the plot podcast Losing the plot podcast Losing the plot podcast Talking to Leo X. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Losing the Plot. I'm your host Leo Robertson. Roughly every week or so I find an artist whose work I enjoy. They're often a writer, they don't have to be. Uh, me and this artist will talk about uh, their work, their life, uh, anything and everything. We lose the plot together, hence the title of the show. Quick housekeeping note, I think it's probably a bit echoey. The way I'm recording this time, and that's because I've got the microphone out for one last time before I pack it away until I move at the end of March, so there won't be any new episodes. I'll be taking a break until then. I know you're all terribly sad about that, but that's fine. I'll get back to it later. Uh, Until then, I'll leave you with this last uh, episode. It's a conversation with Raya Ampel Castro. She is the author of such books as Jane's Suicide in Tiny Increments, the last Magdalene and more. Uh, I've been a fan of her work for a while, but I got in touch with her recently because uh, Raya and I both have a story in the Anti-Austerity Anthology, uh, which was a project that came out last year. And there's a link to that as well as Raya's other works in the description of this episode. Uh, so please feel free to get in touch with me until the next episode. Uh, you can always do so using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. That's all the intro over, so here is my chat with Raya. Um, so what have you been up to this week? Um, I'm just putting the last uh, the rewrite, rewrite together for Dentata, uh, so I'm really excited to finally be finishing that up and then get into the editing process. And I, I made a quite the tight deadline for myself on that one, so it's gonna be a lot of work. <laughs> that's know, been some. Yeah, that's been some saga. You've been talking about that one for years now. Yeah, um, it it got started and it got uh, you know about probably a third of the way through, and then I had some health problems that just like sidetracked everything <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, wrote a couple different other things instead in the meantime, and now I'm finally back on, I think, my normal uh, creative track. Nice. So um, do, you, do you think that the project has matured given the time off, or was it just an inconvenience? Or um, No, I think it was really good uh, because I'm in a very different uh, spot emotionally. I think really... Um, illness is caused kind of by, by how we are, where we are emotionally. And I was not in a good spot and that really manifested itself in, in some pretty serious health problems. And so in healing those health problems, I also had to deal with kind of the emotional state. So I think that the, the book is much more mature and much more able to see, uh, the big picture than it would have been if I'd finished it when I wanted to. Hmm. Okay. So you, but you had, um, was it celiac disease? Is that the name? Yeah. Yeah. Well, have, it's, it's kind of a, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) I mean, not that I don't believe in miracles and stuff, but anyways, for now, uh, that's, that's how it is. And it, um, life has improved dramatically since, you know, figuring that, that 
mess out and being able to eat the proper diet just made a world of difference in life. Mm. Does it, okay, so if this is something you've had, it, it, that's interesting that you, what you only found out about it recently, like in right. the last few years, but it is quite, it can be quite dangerous if you eat the wrong thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and depending on a person's, you know, how, how bad they are and, and everything, it can be different. But um, like some people can go into anaphylactic shock. I luckily have never had that, that experience. Um, but just uh, I probably I've had symptoms since I was at least about 15 or 16. And just the longer, you know, as time went on, it just kept getting worse and more symptoms and just, you know, really weird symptoms that you wouldn't think about because you think of it as a gut disease and you don't realize, you know, it can also cause high blood pressure and, uh, you know, dental problems and all these, you know, myriad of just random things or things that seem random. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. 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 It was a little, (laughs) Mm. um, tell me about Oregon. That's where you're from. Yeah. Yeah. The beautiful Pacific Northwest. Hmm. What's it known for? Uh, rain and trees mostly. Uh, some people think we still live, you know, in, in shacks with, uh, covered wagons and stuff. Mm-hmm. People on the East coast of the U S usually think that we're still Oregon trail, but <laughs> oh, yeah, I was thinking that that's the, the video game, right? The old, yes, yes. <laughs> but you've lived there all your life. Mostly, um, I did spend a good part of my childhood in uh, Tecate, Mexico. So I uh, have a very different um, kind of bicultural uh, upbringing, probably than average. I read something about that, that you learned to read and write in Spanish, I guess, first. Yeah, yeah, uh, which was a lot easier because Spanish is pretty much uh, this letter makes a sound always. (laughs) Whereas is just uh... <laughs> yeah complete mess that's cool do you do you have people around you that you can speak Spanish with do you keep it up um well I travel a lot so I, I mostly go to you know um Spanish-speaking countries so I do a lot of uh you know practice there and then I uh my my job, my money maker, is um, bartending. Where I have a lot of uh, a lot of Mexican immigrants in this area, so I have a lot of people I can talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were a, well, you are a missionary's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so what what was that like? Um, it was interesting. I definitely uh, got a very broader and I think um, more organic view of the world. Just there's something about being able to be a child in, you know, not, not a super developed first world, everything, you know, everything at your fingertips kind of world where you, you know, you go to someone's house and they've got bottle caps for a floor and their, their walls are made out of plywood and they're still going to share everything they have with you. And it's just such a totally different experience that makes you I guess, relate to life in a different way, um, relate to people in a different way and kind of have a broader view of things maybe. Mm-hmm. How does it, does it still affect the way you think about things now? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, 
it, it can be really hard for me to see things from kind of, you know, a stereotypical uh, American viewpoint. And I, I've had to just, you know, let go of caring about, you know, a lot of things because I'll just butt heads <laughs> with people here at home because I just can't wrap my mind around certain cultural traits that we have here. As Americans. Yes. <laughs> is it like a sense of privilege or how would you? Um, yeah, yeah. A sense of entitlement and um, just we've lost we've lost our ability to be happy, to know how to be happy. And I mean, I imagine that's kind of similar in Europe, um, in any country where, you know, our focus has has lost kind of the human touch and it's more about tangible material success and we think that that you know that's where we get happiness we've forgotten that we got to find it inside first and there's you know there's nothing wrong with smiling at people (laughs) (laughs) that's a very good point i hope that comes as no surprise to any listener Um, (laughs) no it's a very good point i mean i live like here in norway um especially in the job that i have uh i'm an engineer and i work around a lot of people who are very fancy people in suits who are quite rich and (laughs) they don't have much to worry about so they just amplify their worries about tinier things like like who has the bigger house and stuff like that and they they get so irritated by it and you sometimes you feel it creeping in because you're part of that culture and it's um it's there's something about that kind of petty complaint thing it's just so easy to sink into Um, it is it is it just kind of burrows its way under your skin yeah but it's so yeah it's so silly so how do you how do you hold on to a sense of perspective um well I just I have like a daily routine of um you know keeping up with like gratitude exercises and in meditation and visualizations and just really centering myself and and I try to travel still, you know, um, as regularly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, really hoping to go either to Vietnam or Guyana here soon, hopefully. Wow. <laughs> what would you, what do you do in, in those places? Um, I generally get a book mostly written uh, if I leave for about a month or two. Um, and then just kind of hang out and bullshit with people, you know, just just meet new people, hmm. talk, maybe do some snorkeling. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something else that you like to go to British Columbia. I, yeah, I, I love uh, British Columbia. It's, it's like Oregon, but um, with more relaxed, uh, nicer people. <laughs> and what's your what's your connection to there? I'm don't really have one. I just started, um, you know, driving up there as a place to go that wasn't here. You know, you've got a few days off. It's about a six hour drive. Um, so I just started going up there and fell in love with Vancouver as a city. It's just, just an amazing, vibrant, um, alive, clean, super clean city. Mm -hmm. Uh, tell me about Jane. Jane is the first book of yours I read and, uh, it's, It's uh, really, I think, like, more than most things I've read, it really grabs you emotionally. Um, And that's, I always think that's, like, the highest level of 
language because it's all very well and good if you're just like objectively thinking oh this is very well put together but there's something about that book that sucks you in in a way um it's the it's the character it's the humor it's the language and uh it's just the intensity of the what happens in it as well um and it's part of it takes place in oregon state hospital did you go there? Thank you, by the way. Those, that's oh uh, yeah. Well, thanks. Thank you to <laughs> you. Really sweet. Um, yeah, I uh, I used to work uh, for the state of Oregon for uh, disability services. So I had gone there to uh, you know assess some clients and actually got to go down in the tunnels, which was really cool. The tunnels. And so yeah, so most you know uh, government buildings or. Um, Asylums will have tunnels underneath so that they can move uh, food and paperwork, you know, just move stuff quickly between buildings. Um, <laughs> All right. Okay. So, you know, in the horror movies, there's always tunnels under under the mental hospital. Well, there there really are. <laughs> oh. It comes from a real thing. <laughs> were they in operation while you were working there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They still use them to move um, mostly food, I think. But, you know. There were people down there walking when I got the tour. <laughs> mm. Was that a difficult job? Um, working for disability services? Yeah, that, that was a very um, emotionally straining and challenging job, yeah. Mm. How long did you do it for? Oh, goodness. Uh, five years, I think. Hmm. So, okay, so, and Jane was partly you using your experience there. Do you think you'll have other projects in future about your years there? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I met a lot of really interesting people that just kind of opened my eyes to like, I guess the strange way that our mental health maybe isn't what, you know, maybe what the, what the higher powers around what or the powers that be want us to think that it is like, Maybe it's not our brain chemistry that causes the issues, but the issues that cause our brain chemistry, if that makes sense. Like maybe we're looking at it all wrong. Um, so I think that I got a lot out of there that I will probably delve into at a, lot, a later time. Um, but Dentata is probably going to be kind of my, I'm going to pause the transgressive fiction for a while with that and move on to work a little bit more on uh the last Magdalene novella. I'm going to try to develop that, right? I'm going to develop that into a, at least a full length novel. Um, we'll see if it, it ends up being more than that. Mm -hmm. Talk, um, talking about Jane as well. I mean, it seems like, okay, so obviously it relates to your experiences there, but to me it was like, well, this has to be autobiographical because I don't understand how <laughs> you get in these characters head. Was part of it related to, to your I life? Mean, yeah, some some of the things, some of the uh, the occurrences in there did actually happen in my life, but most of them did not. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. And I I guess I don't know. It's kind of like you just get into a flow and you start with one weird thing and just other things that are sort of related, but not exactly. You know, they kind of, it just kind of amplifies itself until it becomes this monster of 
<laughs> yeah, there, there's a real sense of the book taking off. And yeah, it, it definitely got a mind of its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say that for sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so... And then, okay, so this hospital, that must also relate to your story in the Anti-Austerity Anthology. Um, so different, I, th that one is, um, more of a ER, more of like a, you know, physical, physical illness hospital. So that's just your, you know, typical, um, regular, I, I've had a medical emergency doctor hospital, not, not an asylum. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, is that based on anything that's happened around you? Has austerity affected your own life? of in some sort of way just because everything is connected and so it, it because I work for tips anything that affects the population is going to eventually affect my you know my own and and even writing books anything that affects the population if, if they have less expendable income and now they're worried about paying medical bills they're not gonna buy a book mm. <laughs> um so that more was kind of uh, just kind of watching um, the way race has uh, become such a huge, huge thing in America, the gun issue, how all these different things um, kind of just interact and how medical professionals are placed at the center of all of this. And they're really an overlooked group as far as uh, there, there is a lot of violence against them and, um, I just kind of wanted to give a voice to that, I guess. Hmm. Do you experience any kind of danger in your own work? I mean, I've, I've never felt, uh, that I was in danger. I mean, I guess that potential is there, but it's there, you know, in anything you do, I think it would be much more dangerous to work at Circle K, you know, on Graveyard or, sorry, you guys, a convenience store, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, on the graveyard ship than it is to work in a bar and not, you know, not in a bad neighborhood or anything. It's just, uh, it's not a place you'd work if you were a delicate soul, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay. So what can you, what can you tell us about Dentata or you don't want to give anything away? Um, no, I, I mean, I'm not, not worried about giving anything away on that one. Um, it is, uh, it's a, it's a book about revenge. Um, but I don't want it to be mistaken for, um, a man hating book because this is, it's a book for all victims. Um, whether, you know, whether they're male or female and whether their perpetrator was male or female or, you know, that, yeah. that part of it's irrelevant. Um, and it really, it came out of just, wanting to watch a movie without a rape scene and being just so annoyed with the lazy writing that can't come up with a plot for an action flick that doesn't revolve around some woman being avenged for being assaulted. And I'm just, you know, I just got really tired of, of that. And so this was my, this is my response to that lazy writing that has infiltrated Hollywood and even even literature hmm it's uh, there's one that there's one that people were recommending me on Facebook called revenge do you know about it this recent one no I haven't, haven't it's, it's it. this same like exactly archetypal 
like rape revenge plot um and everyone was like you have to watch but it, it's it's exactly what you said it's that story that's been done like hundreds of times um <laughs> and it was horrendous and then i was like why did my friends recommend this and then i looked it up and it was like written and directed by a woman and I was like, okay, well, then they can be misogynistic too then, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. I, I've talked to lots of women who have been assaulted by other women. And it's just like, really? Why, why don't we have each other's back? Like, what's mm. going on here? <laughs> why, why do you think that is? Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's just a part of our culture that dehumanizes people. Really, I mean, that's probably a, a broader and deeper thing. It's not something I've really studied. It's, you know. <laughs> no, no, of course. No, I, I'm just asking for your opinion, you know. It's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just maybe, maybe our, our commercial aspect, the way we, and there could be so many things. There probably are a lot of things. It can't be just, you know, one thing either. No, no, I, I, I mean, it, there's the whole divide and conquer always that we have to remember that we're not just acting, you know, out of our ourselves, our own wishes, but we've been taught that we can feel better about ourselves by cutting someone else down. So, I mean, the same example is given of kind of like racial situations in America with, well, um, people will accuse and say, oh, well, black men don't treat black women that well or there's misogyny and rap or blah, 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 blah. Well, of course, if you're an oppressed group, you're going to look out to, you know, maybe put yourself a little bit above someone else so that you're less oppressed. I think that's kind of a natural inclination, um, among humans. Um, but I think that as each individual, as, as, you know, as you seek to, uh, just be more in tune with yourself and, and find your own, you know, flaws and, and abundances and, and all the good things and bad things and whatever, and you'll stop looking at other people as, you know, as a way to put them down to make yourself higher. I just, I, I think that's basically what it comes down to is we see the world as, um, finite. And so as groups, uh, we compete with each other and put each other down. Even if, even if we know what it's like to be oppressed, that doesn't mean that we're not going to do it to somebody else if we don't recognize it. I don't know how much you use social media, but there's, there's a lot of like random grandstanding on there. Um, Oh yeah, I think it it just like it encourages people to know all the answers. Like it, at least in me, it makes me feel guilty that I'm not uh, championing something. Um, right. But like you, I'm just like I don't think I know that much about it. So <laughs> I'll back off. <laughs> Do you use social media that much? Um, I have tried to just cut back on that quite a bit. I did, I did for a while, just waste a lot of time scrolling and, you know, I, I, and I'd like to get on the point of being more of a creator than a consumer. So I making it a point to, you know, post, but not, not scroll and not, you know, not spend time really there okay. cause there's not really, it's not really accomplishing anything. Sure. No, I know. I, I definitely agree. So how do you, do you do much book promotion in, in and around where you live? Um, I have done, so I've done one, uh, reading and signing recently, um, up in Portland. So about an hour North of where I live. Um, and I'll have some more, I'm going to do a tour for Dentata, uh, locally 
hopefully, you know, Northern California and stretch up through uh, British Columbia. So it'll be, you know, very, very local and centralized. But I, I think that if I focus that way, maybe I can get a nice little group of readers. That's really cool. So um, up in Portland, I know a few authors that I've interviewed. Do you, do you know anyone in the Bizarro scene? I don't know. Um, I've, I've talked to a couple people very briefly when I was in Eugene. Um, and, but we just never, uh, got a chance to really connect. So I didn't learn very much about their work. (laughs) (laughs) You also have written some, are they young adult books under a different, slightly different pen name? Slightly different. Yeah. Um, middle grade ish. So, you know, uh, 12, like 10, 12, 15 ish age range, um, kind of sci-fi light, uh, about kind of, uh, you know, what would our, what could our world look like if, uh, if we, you know, keep screwing it up, basically asking the question, um, maybe, maybe we've already screwed up another planet and, and this is not our first, our first go around. Interesting. And like, what, what, um, what kind of books that you've read influence your sci-fi work? Um, well, you know, I haven't really read very much sci-fi at all. Um, I'd say probably more, um, movies and stuff. Um, I really liked that Firefly show that was only around for a season. (laughs) (laughs) I think that probably influenced it a lot. Um, just, you know, that one kind of just popped into my head. I really didn't even think about it. It just kind of was like, what if? And it just went from there. Nice. Um, tell me about your influences in general, because I know you enjoy, like, you have enjoyed writing a lot of transgressive material, which is like Chuck Polinick is one of your favorites. Yeah, I, I love him. He's my idol. Um, Donald Ray Pollock, um, I also love like really old stuff like Tolstoy. I just adore. Um, and I think my writing kind of reflects that in that I like to think of it as if like Ponick and Tolstoy had a baby, you'd get something <laughs> like me. <laughs> it's so cool. I love it when you, when, when you can just connect to, to authors or two ideas and then you, you reveal just how vast the scope of material that could be written is. Right. Yeah. It's such an interesting and such an interesting connection that I don't think anyone else has thought to make, and there must be so many of those out there. So, so yeah, it's nice to hear. Um, so, um, is there anything else you want to let us know about? Anything else you're promoting? Oh, geez. Um, I have a photography company uh, called Murderline Images, and. Um, if you are ever in the Pacific Northwest, we take great uh, murder pictures. Basically, we uh, set you up with some fake blood and and some weapons and uh, take pictures of pretend murder. <laughs> That's crazy. How did you start doing that? Uh, accidentally, um, I, I did a photo shoot with a friend. Um, it was supposed to be like a body drop shoot and it just got messed up and didn't, didn't go as planned. The body didn't turn out, you know? Um, (laughs) (laughs) and so, uh, another friend and I were like, we're, you know, this would be fun if we just take pictures of each other killing each other, you know? And so we did it once and we're like, these are pretty awesome. Um, 
so yeah, we're, we're offering that service to anyone who'd like to <laughs> have some really great pictures of themselves, uh, killing their friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. I love it. Um, well, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Not at all. And, and best of luck with the continued promotion and we'll keep in touch. Great. Thank you. Okay. So that was Raya Ann Polcastro, author of Jane, Suicide in Tiny Increments, The Last Magdalene and others. I hope you will check out her work. I hope you enjoyed our chat. As always, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com. Um, but no new episodes, at least until after March. We'll see how it goes, but I have lots of lovely people lined up and uh, I look forward to getting back to these when I have the chance. Uh, thank you for listening for now. And uh, that's all for me. Until later, bye-bye.